Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay, hello, welcome. First, look at this wall. Check it out. Yeah, I made a new wall, everyone. How do you like it? So now it's straight on and it's really fancy. So you just got now bougie <laughs> learning. So today is John 2, 3, and 4, which is impossible because these are our favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And now we, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to go three lessons all the way through. The study guide sheet's going to have those on there. And uh, we're just going to fly through. And before we start, just for fun, let's introduce who you are. Because oh. everyone on my Facebook thinks he has a different name. Oh. John, Mark, <laughs> Dean. Dean. Yeah. Everybody, hi, I'm David Butler, D-A-V-I-D. This is David. B-U-T-L-E-R. So, I'm Emily But Freeman. you can call me whatever you want. <laughs> it's really, that it keeps is happening. Fun. Just please, just for fun, if you want to say anything about him on my Facebook page, choose any name you want besides David. It makes it so much more fun. It really is. Yeah. We're having, we have a running list, so it's good. Okay. We're going to start in John chapter 2. Um, this is, if you will skip down all the way to verse 11, you're going to see John say, this is the beginning of his miracles. This is the first one, his first public miracle, um, you know, as, as for his ministry, right? Which is, what, what we want to think about is, your beginning miracle is like your calling card. It's your, it's your, right? It's your debut show. It's the one that's really going to show who you are and what it is that you're all about. Um, yeah, so why did he choose this? Right, because what happens is it's a wedding, and at the wedding celebration, they run out of wine, and uh, they come uh, and say, hey, we've run out of wine. It's actually Mary, his mom, who seems to have some sort of job at the, the wedding. wedding, yeah, and comes and says, we've uh, run out of wine. Now, in those times, to run out of wine is a big social faux pas back then. Like, you just don't do that um, at a wedding. Um, but again, it's not that big of a deal, you know? So then she says to um, the servants who are there, sends them to Jesus and says, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Um, and so they do. And so his instructions are in verse 6, and it says... There are six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. So if you look on the study sheet, that shows you that's more than 110 gallons. Six of these pots, that's how much they're going to hold. And they were probably used for washing of the hands and feet um, of the temple workers um, when they would do the, their work in the temple. So um, kind of the nasty water. So he fills them up. They fill them up, it says, all the way to the brim. And uh, then they take it to the governor of the feast, who's kind of the MC of the whole party. Mm -hmm. And he drinks the wine, you remember, and he says um, in verse 10, listen, normally people bring out the cheap wine, you know, at the end of the wedding. The Walmart stuff comes out at the end. But you've saved the very, very best wine for the end. Um, and then that's it. Then John says that's the beginning of all the miracles. So we want to talk about three lessons that come from this wedding at Cana, his, his first of the miracles. And the number one uh, miracle we want to talk about is that anything that Jesus touches can turn to gold, essentially. He takes the nastiest water, 
the foot water, the dirty hand water, and he turns it in uh, to the most luxurious wine. That is his calling card. That's why this is a great beginning of miracles because he can take anyone anywhere and change them. And change them. Mm -hmm. Completely so change their nature. And not just a little, but a lot. Yeah. So that's lesson number one. Um, Jesus can change anything. Jesus has power to change. Jesus has power to change anything, anything. he touches. Um, he has power to change. And, and so that would be first on his calling card, right? That right. is the first thing he wants you to know. This is what I, I have come to do, is right. offer change. Um, the second one is so interesting because it's what happens with the governor. And um, it was the governor's job, we don't know why, to decide wh how, how the wine was at the wedding feast. If it was good wine, if it could be served. Um, and he has that moment where he tastes the wine and, um, and says it is the very best wine. And there is such an interesting lesson here because it's almost as if Jesus was saying, if you thought what happened at the beginning was good, wait until you see what's gonna happen at the end, right? right? This is the beginning of miracles. This is where everything's going to start. And these miracles are going to be good, right? It's going to start with water turning to wine, but we know where it's going to go. People are going to be healed. Um, they're, the blind are going to be able to see. The right. dead are even right. going to be raised from the grave. These are miracles that are going to get better and better. But he's saving the best miracle for the end. And it's what's going to happen um, at, at Gethsemane and right. on Golgotha, right? The best miracle is going to be that he is going to give his life for us. So that would be the second um, lesson that we learned from the miracle. The second thing on the calling card is, of all the miracles that I'm going to do, I'm saving the best miracle for the end. Right. And it's kind of neat. There's a couple of things in there you'll find at the beginning. It says, it was on the third day that there was a marriage. And interestingly, John only mentions Mary twice in his record. And once is right here at this wedding, and then the second time is her at the foot of the cross. Almost like a foreshadow to the very best miracle of all is coming at the end. And the third lesson we want to talk about this is it is a wedding feast. Mm -hmm. And some of y'all have been to weddings that are held in cultural halls, and those are just great. But <laughs> if you want to go to a wedding, you got to go to a Jewish wedding because they go all out. It is a party. It is a celebration. Um... Those six uh, firkins or whatever, the water pots, that's over 110 gallons of wine. He is Lord of the celebration. He is Lord of the feast. And this is a foreshadow to the great millennial wedding where he was like, this is what my ministry is all about. My ministry is all about dancing, rejoicing the good news. He is Lord of the feast, right? That's his intention. Christianity is not a list of rules. It's a celebration in being saved and being changed and being turned into something amazing. And you love when you think about those six things. How many people is he expecting? Right? Right. How many people has he made room for at the feast? How many That's such a cool thought. That is, is a super sending cool thought. Out? And it's everyone, right? There's no way at the end of a wedding people could finish 120 gallons of yeah. wine. That's cool. That's super, I never thought about that before. That's like... This is an, an open invitation yeah. And he's to expecting all a people. lot of people to show right. up. And you just love that about him. The invitation is to everybody. And, and just bring everybody, right? Come as you are. Right. Come be part of. Because he'll um, change you. He'll save you. And let's celebrate. Like, yeah. it is worth celebrating. Yeah. We've got to lift our hands more so in, good. in praise. 
Um, one other thing that's really cool before, are we moving on to the no, second one? No, we're not moving on yet. Well, I was just going to say what's neat here is um, it is the governor who actually gets credit um, for the miracle. And that's sort of Jesus' calling card too. Is He was just like, like he's there to, he just lifts others up. He yeah. wants to glorify and, and... And he just is kind of working in the background, which right. he will do the whole time, right? He'll tell people, don't, don't tell how this happened. Right. Um, it's just him working quietly and doing... Um, the work that he does, and I love that. And it would be powerful when you teach this lesson to talk about how Jesus Christ has changed you um, and, and let each person go around and think about in their life, how has knowing Jesus changed you? And are there places in your life you, you'd like him to work on? Like, are there, are there changes you need to make that he maybe, um, if you turn it over to him, would be able to help you overcome or... Add something new, or and then you just take Mary's advice. Whatever he asks you to do, just do it. Yeah. Right, and see what will happen. Another neat activity would be to make a list of what is it that's such good news about mm -hmm. Jesus. Where what do we have to celebrate because of him? What do we have to rejoice? What's worth you know? Yeah. You know, partying over. So yes, that's good. It's good. Okay, three, chapter three. Okay, we're moving John three, and this is the story of Nicodemus. So we want to talk a little about who he is first because of the first time that you meet him. And Nicodemus, it says, was a Pharisee and a, a ruler among the Jews. So a Pharisee was kind of like a political party among, among the Jews. They had kind of certain beliefs. The Sadducees have a certain belief. They kind of disagree with each other doctrinally, but you, they show up. Pharisees were more scholars, knew the scriptures um, really well. Um, when it says he's a ruler among the Jews, we find out later he's a member of the Sanhedrin, which is almost the Senate of um, the Jews. So remember, Rome's in control, but Rome kind of lets the Jewish nation uh, run their own mm -hmm. show. And so, so he's in the leadership. That's, right. what, that's what we need to know. He is in a leadership position. And by this time, they're a little bit threatened by Jesus. Mm -hmm. Word is starting to get out, and he actually comes to him and he says, uh, by night, which is really neat. That's in verse 2. Um, that he almost seems to come secretly because um, the group as a group is, is going to be against Jesus. But he's realized something about him and says, we know that you're a teacher come from God because nobody could do these miracles, mm -hmm. you know, except for you. And then Jesus says to him in verse 3, here's his first teaching in Nicodemus. John 3, 3. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And uh, then Nicodemus asks the dumbest question in all of scripture <laughs> in verse four, how can a man be born when he's old? Is he to climb into his mother's womb again and be born again? So luckily Jesus gives him a sincere answer and says, no, let me help you. Verse five, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God right? So on your study sheet, you'll see those two phrases. And what do those mean? To be born of water and uh, to be born of the spirit. You've got a great quote in Come Follow Me that actually talks about the role that ordinances play in this process of being born again. Um, let's think of some synonyms of born again. To be converted, changed, um, a new creature, mm -hmm. to put off the natural man, all of those are kind of synonyms of being born again. So born of water is a reference to um, receiving Jesus through priesthood ordinances. And, and baptism would come to mind. Right. right. That would That's be like one the that one just... right away that you would say. And think of the symbolism of baptism. 
right? Mm-hmm. When we talked about the baptism of Jesus last week, or I don't, whatever that was. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they all start running you know, together, right? I hope might, that's true for you, yeah, too. And you might have talked about this in your families, about the symbolism of baptism, but there is this idea of being completely immersed in him, letting him, com- like giving your whole life over. The mm-hmm. baptismal font is a grave. I'm going to lay down my old life. Um, it's also a symbol of a womb, right? Submersed in, like a baby is submersed in a womb and, and starting over, over. again, mm-hmm. right? And being born again. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing he says is um, to be born of, of the Spirit, right? And he gives a neat analogy. Do you want to talk about that one? Yeah. Well, let's, wait. let's do baptism all the way through first in water, oh, okay. and then cool. let's go to um, the Spirit and what, what that is. Because okay. I love this, um, being born again. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. So it's interesting. It's such a powerful like teaching here, where he says, um, you, "A man, a person must be born again." And you think about this process when you think about. It, he's comparing it obviously to a baby being born. And when a baby's born, who do you congratulate? Who does all the work? Um, nobody goes to the hospital and runs over to the nursery and says, "Congratulations." You, you did such you, a good yeah, job. Yeah, you were born. Good job. You did it, you know. Yeah. It's the mom. She's the one who's done all of the work or all of the labor. Right, it's her know? blood. Right, her blood, her it's body, her, her spirit, like mm-hmm. all of those things. Um, and that is a, that's a lesson that he is trying to teach him here. The process of being born again, um, it, it will be, the work will be done. The labor and the pain will be done by somebody else. And, and that somebody else is Jesus I mean, it's neat. There's this, the most famous scripture in all the Bible um, comes at the end of this, you know, mm-hmm. little teaching here, John three sixteen, um, for God so loved the world, right? That he sent his only begotten son. And you just think about that. Whenever you think about being born again, for me, it's just the power of that. As you think about the mom and what a mother goes through for a child to be born, to take the time to really think about what Jesus goes through um, and has gone through, in order for us to really be born again. And, and sometimes when you're in the middle of sacrament meeting, that is a thought that you just think about that sacrifice, right? The, the sacrifice, but also that ongoing watch care that he provides over us and, and that leading and that guiding and that helping for that process to become fully recognized in us. It's just is a really beautiful example. I yeah. Feel like. Yeah. Um, which kind of leads into the next thing, yeah, which is to be spirit. born of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and we should go to those verses. Okay, so um, he says this, the born of the Spirit comes in verse 5. Mm-hmm. right? Except a man be born of water, John 3, verse 5, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Um, and then verse 7, he says, marvel not that I said you must be born again. So Nicodemus must have made a face yeah. there. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't really about. know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. And then he jumps into this all of a sudden, the wind. Right. Nicodemus is probably like, <laughs> what, what are, you are you talking, talking about? about? Unless the wind was blowing or something. Well, and Jesus like, was like, okay, And also here's this an is important to know. The Greek translation of wind is oh. actually spirit. Yeah, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. it is same, the Holy Spirit. And same so word. Nicodemus, because he was a scholar and he would have known as soon as Jesus started talking about wind probably would have recognized, okay, here's going to come an analogy, right? They were so good at those analogies and what was going on in scripture. And he talks about the wind bloweth where it listeth. You can hear the sound, but you have no idea where it came from. And you have no idea 
where it's about to go. We, we just don't know. But you know when it's at your house, right? I remember we taught this a lot of years ago. But we both were teaching in the same seminary and we were on this. We live in Lehigh. There was a huge windstorm, huge. Um, the night before we were going to teach this lesson, do you remember yeah, this? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was so interesting because we went to school and, and we asked our kids, well, where did that big wind come from? Right. You know, the North Pole. <laughs> and where did it go after it left our houses? And we, I mean, probably north, but who even yeah. knows where it came and from? And why that night? And yeah. why, like, why not the night before yes. or the night after? Yeah. Or and everyone could talk about what had happened at their house, right? The damage at their house. They could, they were up all night long. You could hear it whistling through the windows. The wind at their house had left an impression. And I think it's kind of awesome that that's what he talks about because when the wind is where you are, you know it's there. You yeah, know. Right. We don't know if it's in Provo right now, and we don't know if there's wind in Salt Lake, but if there's wind in Lehigh, we know. Yeah. And even though I don't know where it came from or where it went, I can say, but it's here. You know, and that he says at the end of verse 8, so is everyone that's born of the Spirit. The same process of being changed by the Spirit. We don't know when and why the Spirit comes in different levels of intensity, or how long it's going to stay, or mm-hmm. when it's going to go. You, it doesn't just happen once. You don't just experience once wind right. in your lifetime. It happens throughout your life. Yeah. It comes and goes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's really important that people don't get frustrated when you know they, they go to a church meeting and they're like, well, I just didn't feel it when I was there. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's okay, because it's like the wind. It just comes and goes, sometimes super subtle, sometimes a little <coughs> bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time, it is changing a person. Right, they're being converted and they're and they are being changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that scripture again, because this is where it comes up. Nicodemus's question is, "How can all these things be? Mm-hmm. How do all these things happen?" And Jesus says, "Are you a ruler and a teacher of the scriptures, and you have not gotten this?" It's like this is all possible because God will send His Son mm-hmm. uh, to the world. Um, and it takes practice, right? And we've talked a lot about this this week. It takes practice recognizing the spirit. It it takes practice realizing, oh, I did have that happen. It takes practice knowing how can we have an increase of the spirit. Mm-hmm. What are the things I could be doing in my life that would allow me to experience more of the spirit? And that's something you might want to pause for a minute and just write down. When was the last time I felt the spirit? What was I doing? Yeah. What what was happening for me when I felt the spirit last? And what is something I could do this week? that would allow me to feel the Spirit again, to have that increase of the Spirit again. And there's so many things, right? It's obviously prayer and scripture and those things, but um, and music. Pondering. I'm and, so into pondering yeah, right now. Pondering, just thinking, music, quiet, all putting down your things. phone for a minute and just I can't. having silence. <laughs> right. You know, it's just, it's those, it's making time for the Spirit to have relationship. Yeah, to have that moment where it can, you know, where it can, where you can And you almost wonder if that's what he was saying to him. Are you a master in Israel and and you don't know? You haven't figured this one out. Right, that this is one that it's worth taking time to study and figure out what can I do in my life to experience an increase of the Spirit right now. Yeah, that is awesome. Okay, that's a good one. And there's so, I mean, just the whole conversation. That's the gist of the conversation. You read it and you'll grab even more insights. As, and it's fun. As you um, we have students ask us all the time, but what happened to Nicodemus, right? He leaves oh, his yeah, 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 yeah. He goes home um, in the middle of the night and, and we don't ever know what happened, which is so true about so many stories. Right. right? We're just left hanging. Um, but we do know when Jesus dies, 
Nicodemus is one of the ones that asks for the body of Jesus and wants to prepare it for burial with Joseph. And so we know at some point in his life, he became a believer of Christ. We, we know he did. And I just have written at the bottom of my scriptures a quote that I just love. It says, the point isn't when he started believing, the point is that he did. Yeah. And that's true about all of us. Right. Right. And that's what he's in this line right here in that great verse, like, um, or the one right after John three sixteen, verse 17, God sent out his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Like he's on our side, mm-hmm. you know, like, and so wherever someone is on the journey, here's a person who's advanced in his faith, advanced in age. And Jesus comes and says, you have to be born again. Mm-hmm. Everybody starts as a baby. Everybody begins yeah, right there and so it's neat. a it's and a then process. he walks you through right, right. he's going to walk you through um, he he came to save you and not just on one day he he came to walk with you the right. whole way your whole life yep i love okay him. that's nicodemus you wish you could meet him and spend forever on him yeah. but third story let's go to our third story um, it's the woman oh yeah there she is here she is we the woman her. at the well so she's john chapter 4 and we love this woman. Um, oh, we love this woman so much. In fact, I kind of want to just start with a couple questions for you to be thinking of as we jump into this story. And um, and they would be questions like these. Are you empty right now in your life? What are you seeking for? Um, what are you looking for that would satisfy you? I love asking myself when I read this story, how thirsty are you for what Jesus can bring? Just Entering into that with all of these thoughts of, we are about to go into a powerful story right now about a woman who feels empty, who is not satisfied by what her life looks like, who's looking for something to fill her, and watching that process happen. And I think we've all been there, right? We've all been in those moments where we just felt empty. Right, right. And it's neat happens just out in the desert. At a, at a well, mm-hmm. you know, and she's gone out there. You'll notice at the beginning of the story, um, it says that he must needs go, verse 4, through Samaria. Yeah, now, so tell us about the geography. Okay, awesome. so um, he lives a little bit north. Look, you look on your study sheet. Galilee is where he spends most of his time in his ministry. And then there's Samaria, which is just south of it. And then Judea, which is where Jerusalem and where he had gone for Passover and other festivals. Generally, when when Jews went um, from Galilee to Judea or Judea to Galilee, they went around Samaria. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't walk through. Samaritans were those who, um, when the Assyrians came and conquered um, in, what was it, the 500 BCs, um, oh no, 6, 7, the, when the 10 tribes were taken, intermarried, like the covenant people intermarried with the Assyrians, and that is who... So they're kind of considered like half bloods, like they're looked down upon. They're not. They're not. They're mug bloods. Okay. Um, they're not pure blooded. Because <laughs> why you know? would Harry Potter show up in John Four? We don't know. This lesson's being sponsored by J.K. Rowling. Um, so um, people literally would take an extra two, three days to walk around Samaria. Uh, and so it's interesting that John points out this happens in Samaria. Right. And you love that it's just one verse. All by itself. That is one of my favorite parts. John 4, 4. And he must needs go through Samaria. And you just want to put a little note in your scriptures right there. Why? Why did he have to go there? And it's interesting. He comes in verse 6 in the sixth hour of the day. Which is in the middle of the day. Yeah, it's so hot. And nobody goes to the well 
to draw water at the middle of the day unless they were trying to avoid all other people. So this is actually John's way of traditionally um, women with um, bad reputations or who were immoral or um, lower in society would go, you want to go in the morning or you want to go at night. That's when all the ladies go. That's when they all go gaggle they and they catch up they're doing their right, on, on what's coming up. Yeah. And so he, th- she is at a well um, that is out a little bit farther from the city, mm-hmm. not a well-trafficked one, and at a time of day when nobody would be there. And he shows up and is sitting there, sends his disciples into the city. Yeah. So it can be a one-on-one with this woman. Mm-hmm. Go get his lunch. You know, and they leave, and there he is, and he, and he starts to talk to her, which would have been shocking for mm-hmm. two reasons. One, um, men to women back then, particularly by themselves at this well out in the middle of nowhere, and because he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. Mm-hmm. It would have been shocking to her. Yeah, and I think, let's just write these down as we go. There's going to okay. be four lessons we want to focus on, and that is the first, um, the first lesson is going to be First of all, that she was just there on ordinary duty and work. She went to get her water, right? Water in those days was a luxury. You couldn't exist without it. Um, you had to go and get it probably every single day. And she's there just on her ordinary duty and work. She's gone to fill up her water jug. She's, it's just part of the pattern of her day. And that is the first lesson that we love. That's where Jesus shows up, right? Mm-hmm. It's in the middle of our ordinary duty and work. He's going to come where we are in whatever is our story, what we're doing. And we love this too. He's going to use what is right there to teach us. To teach. And like Nicodemus, right? Yeah. yeah. Right? Let, let's just think. At the wedding, what did he use? Water. Yeah. With the wine. wine. Right. Um, at the, um, with Nicodemus, he wants to use the wind, right? And again, water. But it's things that Nicodemus would just know. And that is what's going to happen with this woman. He's going to use the well. He's right. going to use the water in the well. Um, and that's, that's how he is going to start this. And it's just going to be what's happening in her ordinary life. And the same is true for us. And I love every time I read this, I think of the times when Jesus has shown up for me, right? Mm-hmm. At a hospital room at the University of Utah late one night in my bedroom when I was just sobbing one night in Draper, um, just at different experiences. You would have them too, where he must needs go to that hospital room at the University of Utah. And he must needs go to that bedroom in Draper, Utah. And there are places right now in your life he must needs go. And it's going to be your ordinary places. It's going to be where you're just doing your duty. Right. And it wasn't because of the location. It was because of the person Mm -hmm. who was there. He must needs go to where you are. That's Mm -hmm. where he's going to come meet is in the places that you are. Yeah. I love that. Um, And what happens next is... um, they're going to start talking about water, right? It's just going to be this moment where um, he's going to ask for a drink. She's going to right off the bat be like, do you know who I am? Do you know my story? Yeah. yeah. I don't think you want to ask a drink <laughs> for me. Like, we, you know, I, she can tell he's Jewish. Right, right. So she's trying to figure out, are you sure you know who I am and, and if I'm worth talking to? And how many times do we do that too? Where we're just like, does Jesus really have time for me? Right. If he really knew who I was, he he probably wouldn't be as interested in engaging. And what's interesting is he he lets her know, right, in the conversation. Like I, I you know, they're having the conversation. He asks, well, why don't you go ask your husband? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't have one. And he's like, well, that's funny. 
because <laughs> you've been married six times, you know, and just yeah. lets her know, like, I already knew that about you and was still willing to sit, you know, and, and engage talk. with you mm-hmm. and, and talk with you. And it's interesting because what he's doing in that moment is he's trying to understand her need. Yeah. That's what he wants to know. Where is her lack? What is her need? And um, in the beginning, she thinks her need is water, right. right? She thinks it's this just coming to the well every single day to get water. And he is going to lead her down this path where he explains to her, I actually know your need. I recognize your lack. Right. Um, and I have an answer. Right. And he you. says, remember, he's like, if, if you, you drink of this water, you are going to be thirsty again. Mm-hmm. Again and again and again. It will never quench you. And what she's looking for in her life is never going to satisfy her needs. Mm-hmm. And then he tells her, what you need is me. What you need is the water that I can give you, right? You Obviously, you've been looking for um, love and acceptance from relationship. And you're not getting it there from these different men. Uh, you're not getting it from the other women. Mm-hmm. You're not getting it from whatever else. Yeah. And it's like, you'll always be left in wanting. What you've always needed was was me. And yeah. you'll never... And, and this is so powerful. You remember... Um, Michelle Craig in the last general yeah. conference gave that talk about divine discontent mm-hmm. in and the she women's said every session. Miracle. Every miracle begins with a need, like somebody coming in and yeah. saying, "Like I have a lack." I, you know, some people think I gotta be, I, I gotta be clean, I gotta be worthy, ready to approach him and, and, and he, ask for a miracle. And, and he changes that yeah. whole. He just wants to know what's your need, right? And maybe you want to think about that right now, right? Think about your family. Think about your life right now. What is your need? Um, and could you, could you give it to him and see what could he do with it? I love as they are having this conversation and it starts getting a little bit deeper and more personal, right? There is this moment in verse 21 of chapter 4 when Jesus says unto her, Woman, believe me. And it is an invitation, right? It's the invitation that's given to all of us. We can engage in a surface relationship with Jesus Christ, but there is going to come a moment when he is going to give us that invitation. Believe, right? Do you want to believe me? Because that's when the miracle happens. It's as soon as you let that one part of your heart open up and you are willing to believe and, and something miraculous does happen right now, right? It's our favorite part of the story. Because she starts telling him what she believes in verse 25. She says, I know that a Messiah cometh who is called Christ. And when he has come, he will tell us all things. Right? She opens up. She's like, this is, this is what is in my heart. This is who I've been hoping for, looking for. It's been promised to this me. This is what will satisfy my needs. And you love his answer right there. It's so good. And, and before we even say what it is, let's just remember, who is he talking to? A woman. An outcast woman. Right. An immoral woman. Right. She's outcast in her own society. Right. But in his society, totally Double looked down outcast. on. Right? right. That is the woman. And this becomes his first verbal witness of who he is, of his mission. Right? To, to this obscure woman sitting at Out a well. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. In the middle of the desert. In the heat of the day. Right? And he says to her, I that speak unto thee am he right yeah it's just that moment as soon as she opened her heart in the middle of her ordinary duty and work when she chose to believe he revealed himself to her this is me this is who i am this is what i do 
Yeah, and that's verse 26, John 4, 26, where yeah. he says, you know, this is, I'm, I'm the one you've been waiting for. I'm the one you've been looking for. I'm the one you've been hoping for. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that you've, that you've needed. Okay, you want to wrap up with yes. that number four, yeah, and, and then we'll be yeah, done. And I love this because you love that then, in that moment when she knows, it tells us in verse 28, the woman then left her water pot, right? Why did she come? What did she come for? I love for this question right here. What right. did she come for? Um, and she came for water, right? Dude, her duty, her work. Yeah. And in the end, she has that amazing moment and she leaves the water pot. That's why she came. She leaves it. She's yeah. like, I gotta. I have more important things to talk right. about. Right. And she runs into the city to tell all the people because finally, for once in her life, she has had the opportunity to drink deeply, right? right. She is filled in that moment. That's what being filled looks like and satisfied that's his his fourth invitation i will fill you drink deeply of what i have to offer and i will fill you as we were um just planning this we were like oh it's so interesting that in john two through four every lesson has to do with water right here right it's the changing of the water it's the being born of water it's drinking deeply of the living water we are seeing this beautiful lesson of christ that he comes to fill what is empty and you think what water can do it cleanses and it purifies Satisfies, and, it, it and it's just what we're made fills of fills you right which is going to be interesting because do you remember what john's going to do next he's going to teach three lessons on bread right right after that is what is going to happen right after this um and i love that john does that i love that symbolism that is just right underneath we're going to start out i'm going to teach you about water um and what water can do and um it makes me think of the song um Callie, read song that is I, we are going to put it in the newsletter yeah, we'll put it in I'm going to put it in yeah. the newsletter because you want to listen to that song with this lesson the one you had me listen to right when she was like all the samples were coming out yes. and stuff like that okay. oh it is beautiful listen, you're going to want to listen to it over and over again <laughs> Kelly's going to be like how did you not remember <laughs> sorry. that song sorry. I can't resist bringing it up though because you are going to love it and I think it is called cleanse you he will cleanse you mm. but it's just a beautiful song and as we're talking about water you might want to just turn that on it's good. right at the end so good Okay, that's we tried to keep it short, but these are three of our favorite lessons, and like, who decided to cram all three of those in one? John. That's not our fault. That's John's fault. Okay, it's John's. Mm-hmm. Blame him. Okay. He's David, though. He's not John, everybody. He's David. <laughs> okay, see you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.